Okay, Shalom Aleichem, everybody. Uh, my name is Yaakov Rechimi. Bezat Hashem Barach, Lagdir Torah Ve'adil. We will try our best to say Emet as natural as possible. Stick to the truth as much as we could to say Dvar Hashem. Bezat Hashem, to announce only things that will bring only Yirat Shamaim. Stay away from Averot. To be Meorel myself, and maybe... Ulai, to even be Morel, one of the Mazdinim, one of the listeners. Even if one person gets even a second of Chizuk, Avirut Shuva, that itself was worth it to come and to give a shiur. Especially in this night, cold night. Especially in the winter nights. The winter nights, they say that the Rabbanim tells us that Tzadikim loved the most the winter nights. Zman Achoref. Why? Because the winter nights used to be without electricity. It used to be long, 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 long nights that everybody was asleep. The business stores were closed. Nobody was in the streets. So that Sadiqim, that Tamidech HaChamim, who loved learning so much, everybody was already in their beds. Everybody was already in their homes, so nobody was able to bother them. So they sat and they learned Gemara the whole night. That's what Sadiqim always said back in the day. Zman HaKhalif, winter time is the best time for them because they were able to learn more Torah and more Torah with nobody bothering them. But now that we have the electricity... Things change. Now people stay late even longer. And we know it's actually a machloket, it's an argument between Maran Chacham Yosef and the Ben Yishchai. What is better? To stay up learning late at night, till 2 o'clock at night, one thirty at night, the way Chacham Yosef did, and to wake up Shachit regular time, 7, 8 o'clock, or the Ben Yishchai, who writes in his sefer, it's better to go to sleep early. Why? Because then you can wake up earlier. The Morela Teshachal, you know, you wake up even earlier, so you have to go to sleep earlier. What's better? So Maran Chacham Avad Yosef held, like Shitat Rambam, that a person is Koneh the Chochmah at nights, Belayla. So he stayed up learning till 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. Many times Chacham Avad didn't even go to sleep. I could tell you many stories about that. But the Ben Yishchai held, that no, a person should go to sleep earlier because then he can wake up earlier and that time of the night where you connect the night and day is a Zman Misugal, is a very, very, very good time to learn Torah, and the learning Torah at that time at night, right before the morning, is crispy, clean, clean, clean Torah, which means you whatever you can get, that's what the Ben Yishchai says, whatever you, takes you one hour to understand in a Gemara or Halakha during the day, could take you maybe 30 minutes or less when you do it at that time of the night, right before the day, because that's when the Avir is, is that's when the Avir is very, clean and clear and there's no distractions a person can focus a lot more in learning Torah let me just uh, interfere with you just I want to say that as both of them write and uh, I would say that uh, because we are we know the human uh, differences you know so some people uh, are night people sometimes some people are daytimes you know and I think that uh, the person itself especially when when our kids listen right now to our day as to find, or any person that listens to us to our show now, as to find himself, what is characteristic he like, you know, if he's a night person, is a daytime person, and he can achieve the most effective way to learn Torah and to be connect himself. Right. right, so every person for sure by himself, if it's a machloket between Maran Chacham and Ben Yishchai, Elu Ve'elu, so of course they're both right. So every person has his midah, he has his tchunat and nefesh, whatever his soul connects to, and he goes with that. Adaraba, I will add to you, Chacham Nisim, 
that if a person does something that doesn't go with Tchunat Nefesh, if a person does something that doesn't go with what his soul is supposed to do, and if a person doesn't go with his kelim, which means his tools and his talents that Hashem gave him, if he tries to use other people's talents and other people's tools, if he tries to copy other people, like the Musa Sfarim tell us, that is one of the biggest chubanot that we have, one of the biggest chuban destructions of a person's life is when he tries to copy other people. Copying other people and not using the tools that you have is one of the worst things possible. Why? I'll tell you a mashal that the Sfarim tell us. It happens to be... Uh, I'm talking about the vacation that we went to two years ago with my with my in-laws. We went on a vacation all the way to Pennsylvania, like all the way down there, like three hours. So I just got my license when I got married, so I wasn't the best driver. And we all went with our father-in-law, Sablianara. our father-in-law with all the seven married siblings, all went on a vacation together, each one with their own car. Now on the highway, my father-in-law drives very fast. But we didn't have a GPS in the car. We didn't have a <laughs> GPS in the car. So what do you do? I have to follow along behind my father-in-law. The problem is I go slow because I just got my license. He goes fast and I can't follow him. And if I I don't follow him, I can get lost. I did not have a GPS. So I tried my best to watch ahead of me and see where my father-in-law is going. Now, as I was watching in the windshield, you know, I was watching my father-in-law, I thought of a beautiful mashal. I said, you know, it's extremely dangerous to drive in the road when you're looking at the car ahead of you. When you're not focused on your own driving, and where you have to go, if you go right, left, you turn your blinker, you don't turn your blinker, who's behind you, who's in front of you. If you always look at the car ahead of you, it's very easy to crash. A person can crash a lot more when he's not focused on his drive and his wheel and his hands. I thought to myself, the so too when it comes to life. If a person is always going to look at the guy ahead of him, if the guy is always going to look at the guy in front of him, what is he doing? He goes right, I go right. He goes left, I go left. He goes around, I go around. If he's always going to copy the other guy... Why, why, why? A person can crash all the time. A person has to focus on his wheel, his car. Whenever it's time to turn right for your own benefit, you turn right. It's time to turn left, you turn left. And that's what Hashem wants from every person, to look at himself and only himself and utilize his tools that he gave him. A person doesn't want somebody else's tools. It's like, it's like let's say I give a person, his job is to be in construction. So he has to go build a whole house and I give him a regular kitchen knife that my wife cuts the tomato with. Is that going to work? No. There's special tools for special jobs. A construction has special tools and a, and a chef has special tools. You cannot switch around the tools. Otherwise, you're not going to have not good food and not good house. A person has to be careful to use his kochot, his powers that Hashem gave him. And every person has his kochot that nobody else has. Whatever a person can accomplish in his own good, nobody else could. We know the Sefer Chassidim writes at the Valpele. I read it when I was a kid, and it made a huge effect on me. The Sefer Chassidim says like this, a person after 120, Hashem is going to ask him, where are the Chidushet Torah, the only you were able to be Mechadesh? Which means every person we know has a Chelek in Torah, has his part in Torah. With no exaggeration, every person has his part that only he can accomplish and bring to the world and finish that puzzle piece in this world. And nobody else could. So it says the Sefer Chassidim, if a person doesn't accomplish what he was supposed to accomplish, the part of the Torah that he was supposed to bring down to this world, if he did not finish that puzzle piece in Torah, the only he could, in Shamaim, Hashem is going to tell him, you have a din of a ganav. Why? Because now the world is missing out from it. Because whatever you were able to bring to this world in Torah, nobody else could. And if you didn't, it's never going to come back. 
So you have a din of a ganav. That should give people, it gave me tremendous chizuk. So maybe it could give someone chizuk. That there's no reason to copy other people. You have your brains, you have your powers, you have your talent, you have your part in the Torah, that nobody else can take it. Not even Maran Chacham Ovad Yosef, and not even Arbeli Yashav, not even Lavdil or Chaim Knevsky who's alive. Nobody can take that away from you. Each person has his chilek in Torah, and you have to utilize your kochot as much as you could. Don't let anybody ever tell you that you can never get to a certain point. If you show F, if you dream of being somebody like a big Tamid Chacham, a big Tzaddik, like Chacham Ovadia Yosef says, I'm sure we're all at Chacham Ovadia. So he himself said, he had a dream. When he was a young kid, he had a dream. He wants to be like Marana Shulchan Aruch, like the Bet Yosef. So when he got older, he says, even though I didn't reach to be Marana Shulchan Aruch, Rabbi Yosef Karu, who wrote the Shulchan Aruch, and the Bet Yosef, and the Keset Mishnah, at least I got to be a Posek in the generation. You always have to be Shoef, to be the highest. And Marana Bet Yosef writes in his Sefer, that he had a dream to be like Maria Buham, which means he was one of the a latest Rishonim, one of the earliest Achonim that we had, but he, w- he was shooting to be the highest, at least he reached to be the Bet Yosef, or Bili Yashif said upon himself that he had a dream to be a Bechon Inspector, who was one of the biggest poskim that Shkenazim had in Europe, but he got to be a Yashif, when you shoot for the stars at least you get to the sky, but you have to shoot you have to understand, it's important to think big, and have big dreams to be a big tzaddik, a big tamid chacham now, don't make a mistake being a big tamid chacham, and being a big tzaddik doesn't mean fame People associate the two. The being a Tamid Chacham means famous and means worldwide. That's not true. Gdola Dor doesn't have to mean fame. A Gdola Dor and a big tzaddik means a big tzaddik ben istarim, a person who's a huge gadol in his house. When nobody else sees, he makes a bracha with such kavana. He makes bechat hashayetzah with such kavana. He doesn't speak the shonara. A person who doesn't speak the shonara is a tzaddik. He's almost a Gdola Dor. A person who watches his eyes is a tzaddik. A person who watches what he eats, he doesn't just eat in any place that he wants, he watches what he eats and he's careful, that's already a tzaddik, and as he gets older, and he sticks to his guns, and he sticks to his alachot, he's considered a gdol adol, meaning he's a huge person in the generation. Hashem handpicks who will lead the nation, that's something else, but a tzaddik and a gdol adol, any person can come grab it and become one, as long as he wants. When you have the will, you can do it, but there's no question, Every person has the opportunity to be a huge tzaddik and a huge gadol. So, Chacham Nisim, did we officially start the show? This is still the introduction. <laughs> no, this is like, uh, it's part of the show, no? This is part, of the, part of the show. It's not such a, you know. Part of the show, okay. Uh, J-Root Radio is always, uh, you know, interfere or, or adding to the host and uh, and to other listeners. And Be'ezad Hashem, you should, no, let's go. Okay. Rabotai, we're about to reach Hanukkah. Hanukkah is already next week. Now what's interesting is, the Gemara tells us in a few places, the Gemara tells us that the last miracle that we had, the last nest that we had was Purim, not Hanukkah. Says the Gemara, why? Why not Hanukkah? So the Gemara answers that Purim was considered in the Torah the last miracle. In the Torah, meaning in the Nevi Miktuvim, Purim was the last recorded miracle miracle. Hanukkah was not a recorded miracle in the Torah, which means in the Vi'im, in the prophets, in the Ketuvim, in the Torah. Even the Gemara that mentions the case of Hanukkah and Shabbat in the beginning, mentions a little bit. It's a very small piece of Gemara. So really the story of Hanukkah deserves a lot more. There's so much Midrashim and Hanukkah. Why is it that first of all, the Gemara says the last miracle was Purim and not Hanukkah? Why don't we count Hanukkah? And why is it that even the Gemara itself 
didn't speak about Hanukkah. Hardly. One Amud, one Duff of Gemara on Shabbos. So the Chida answers like this. The Chida says, the reason why Hanukkah is not a recorded miracle in the Nevi'im Iktuvim, in the Prophets, and the reason why Purim is considered the last miracle is because Purim, the miracle happened in Paras, next to all the Goim. And the fact that the Jews, the fact that the Yudim got up and fought and davened and did a Yom Tzom and a Tanit and they fasted and they prayed to Hashem and they cried to Hashem and the fact that the Jews got together to ask Hashem to please save them. The fact that it happened even amongst the Goim, even though we were associated with the culture of the Goim in Paras and we still got the Ness, that's considered a big Ness. But Hanukkah, says the Chida, Hanukkah happened in Eretz Yisrael. Hanukkah happened, the Bet HaMikdash was around. We had Gdusha, we had Tara, we had the help of the land of Israel, the Gdusha of Eretz Yisrael was Messiah, gave us a huge push for the Ness of the Chashmonaim. So that's why, says Achida, a big lesson. Purim was the last recorded miracle that we had Without the CU of Eretz Yisrael, it was pure anes because the Jews, even though they were around the Goim, even though they were next to Tumah, they got up and they elevated themselves and they were Mashiach themselves with Laidat Fila and Hashem gave them a nest. That's a big nest. But Hanukkah was in Eretz Yisrael with the Gdusha and the Kvet Tzadikim and everybody helps a person. Of course, it's a huge miracle, but it's not as big as a miracle as Purim. Now, why wasn't it written in the Gemara? That I heard an answer. I saw an answer from Rosh Hashivat Kisar Chamim of Meir Mazuz. He says the reason is because at the time, the Goim and the Yivanim were very, very learned people. We all know that. They were very learned people. That's what they wanted to transit the Torah. And they would look over all these different things, and the Jews at the time were scared. They were scared that if they're going to write the whole story of the Yivanim, there were still a lot of them around when the Gemara was written, and then they're going to torture them. So therefore, they could not write that piece in the Gemara. Big chidush, but I heard this from Amir Mazuz. Now, so at the same time, we see from the Chida, the Purim was a big miracle in the Chanukah. That's why it wasn't according to the Gemara. However, Bautozman, at the same time, we know Chanukah, the Vrech Chazal, the Musas Farm tell us, the Puskim tell us, the Chanukah is a bigger miracle than Purim. Why? A person should ask himself, what was a bigger miracle? Purim or Chanukah? Purim, Achashverosh, wanted to destroy Haman, wanted to destroy all the Jews physically. Begashmiut. Chanukah, Antiochus, and Ivanim wanted to destroy all the Jews spiritually. Beruchniut. Now what's worse? So right away the first mind that comes, the first thought that comes to a person is physically. Because all we see in front of our eyes as human beings, and but we don't see spiritually. So right away a person tells himself, of course physically is much worse. But tell us the Sfarim that no, us Yehudim, Baruch Hashem, have special eyes. We only we don't only see what's in front of us in the physical matter. We know that there's a whole world behind the physical world. We know that our actions make a difference. We know that our thoughts make a huge difference in Shemaim. So therefore, Hanukkah was a bigger miracle. Hanukkah was a bigger destruction. Why? Because Antiochus wanted to destroy us spiritually. He wanted to He wanted to forget learning Torah. He wanted us to forget doing mitzvot. He wanted us to cut ourselves from the tree of life. He wanted to take us away from the shosheret, from the chain that we have from Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And why is that worse than physical destruction? Because when you make a person sin and do an avera in this world, you not only destroy him for the next world, 
You destroy him in this world. You destroy him in this world and the next world. When you kill a person physically, of course he took away his body in this world, but he has olam haba. But when you make another person sin, you kill them ben be'olam ve'ben be'olam haba. So it's a double murder. So therefore it's worse. The story of Hanukkah, what Antiochus wanted to do to the Jews was worse than Achashverosh. And Rabotai, just last generation, we had a huge, huge, huge destruction of the physical, of the physical part of the world, the Holocaust. We know Yemach Shimon Hitler. I just read this from a famous, famous writer. I usually hate talking about the Holocaust. Why? Because I think it's a very, very touchy subject. And me and me, it's a topic we don't talk about. I know in the in the yeshivot, the Rosh Yeshivot that I grew up in on Lakewood. They never talked about the Holocaust. And if they did talk about the Holocaust, they only quoted people that survived the Holocaust. Why? Because the person has to be very careful. It's easy to speak, but the people who went through it, they could be made about the emunah that they have. They can preach the emunah even though they went through the Holocaust. So this I heard from a Holocaust survivor himself. And he told me that at the time when he grew up, he was in Budapest. I think it's in Hungary, Budapest. At the time... Over there, he said the, the, the matzah, the situation with the Jews was very bad. What does he mean is very bad? He says there were, unfortunately, unfortunately, and it reminds us of the story of Hanukkah. Unfortunately, there were many Jews who did la'achis, which means they did dafka, they did on purpose. They used to go to colleges on Shabbat. They were go after people that are Shomer Shabbat. They would go after them, trying to convince them not to be Shomer Shabbat. They would tell the rabbis, stop it with the, with the speeches, stop preaching Torah, get with the culture. Look how much power we have, we're the lawyers, we're all the, we're in the media, we're the celebrities, we're the politicians, the Jews were everything, look in the history books, the Jews were everything in Europe, and they tried to adapt to the culture of the Goyim more and more, and unfortunately, they succeeded, those specific Jews that took with them thousands and millions of Jews away, they ripped them apart from the Torah, they ripped them apart from the real enjoyment of this world, and they took them to the culture of the Goyim. That was that happened last generation in Europe. So this Holocaust survivor told me that the matzah was very, very bad. The situation was terrible. Now, when when Hitler, Yemach Shimov put out his law that every Jew has to be taken away, he made a very interesting law. He said that even if a person is not really a Jew, any person that has any connection to Judaism, if it was his grandfather, if it was his father, not his mother, Anything that had a connection to the Jew, even a small amount, we know in the Torah, only if a person's mother is Jewish, the kid is Jewish. If a person's mother is not Jewish, I don't care if his father is Jewish, he's not considered a Yudi. But, took any person that had any shaykhut, any connection to Judaism, and he considered him a Jew. So he said, this Holocaust survivor told me at the time, that the rabbi and the shul said, look what's going on. Look what's going on. The, the Jews were always trying to run away from being Jewish a little bit. Becomes this Hitler Yemach And he considered any person that any Shaykhut being a Jew to be considered Jewish. All those people that ran back had to come back. All those people that tried to run away from Judaism, look what happened. The Gzera now came back and all the Jews that had a small amount of Judaism had to get together. And Chas Shalom the Chuban came. This is ever told me. But listen to the end of the story, Rabbatai. I gave him a ride one time from Brooklyn to Queens, this Holocaust survivor. Then he told me, listen to me, Yaakov, there's a bigger Chuban in America than the Holocaust. This is what he told me. 
This is, I'm not quoting my own words. He told me there's a big Yechuban, worse destruction here in America than the Holocaust. Why? The assimilation. The fact that the Jews, every year that passes by, we're losing them. We're losing them. They're falling from our hands. They're going, marrying Goim, marrying non-Jews. They're adapting their culture more and more and more. That's a spiritual, he told me, a spiritual Holocaust. And he told me just like Chanukah was worse than Purim. Because Chanukah and Teyachis didn't only want to kill us physically he wanted to kill us spiritually but that is worse because it's in this world and the next world just like Hanukkah was worse in Purim he tells me that this generation even though it sounds exaggerated this generation the assimilation and the fact that Jews are falling apart and they're marrying Goim we have a quiet holocaust which is very dangerous so what do we do about it Rabotai whoever is listening what do we do about it everything has to be very practical you know what practical? You know how you make it practical? You make it practical by every person who learns Torah. Any person right now in America, in the Choshech, in the darkness of the culture of America, in the Hashpa'at Goim, the influence of the Americans, we don't even realize, Rabbi we don't even realize how much the Americans are influencing us, how they're getting into our homes, into our minds. What, be- what used to be normal, is now not normal. Whatever is not normal becomes normal. Everything's confusion in the world. It brings so much confusion. But we know us Yehudim, us Jews, Baruch Hashem, we have the Torah, so there's absolutely no room for confusion. Those who don't have the Torah are confused and always will be confused. But those who follow the Torah, who follow the all of the Torah, it gives them a light in the darkness. It says absolutely no confusion. And that's what happened in Chanukah. We know the, the Midrash compares Yavan to Choshech. Yavan is considered the galut of Choshech, of darkness. Why is it that the Greeks, Yavanim, are considered the galut that symbolizes darkness? The answer is, Rabbatai, Lemashal, imagine you go into a room that there's absolutely no light and you're trying to look for a pen. If you can't see and it's pitch black, you're going to be walking around trying to feel everything. You're going you're gonna to think that's the table, it's the chair. You're going to try to... Uh, feel, I don't know what, a, a mattress ends up being a chair. When you, when something is dark, you don't know what's in front of you. You're confused. There's nothing clear. Whatever you think you know, you don't know because you can't see. But when there's light in the room, everything is clear. You know, a table is a table. You know, a chair is a chair. You know where the pen is. You know where the derch is, what the path is. You're not going to trip. Abotai, Yavan is choshech. Why are the Greeks considered darkness? Because they knew that us Jews have the tool called Torah that will guide us and give us the light through life with no confusions and no obstacles. And they don't want that. They want to pull that away from us because they're jealous. They have kinah. They want to take that away from us. They can. They cannot stand the fact that Jews love being Jews. They can't stand the Jews love the Torah and follow it for ever and ever. No matter what the Rabbanim say, we listen. So they wanted to take away the light and create darkness. They wanted us to stop learning Torah. They didn't say, we'll kill you. They didn't say, we're going to take away your body. They said, relax, live as a Jew. Everything is fine. Be Shomel Shabbat. But let us bring our culture to you. The Midrash, there's many Midrashim on Hanukkah. Many, many Midrashim for those who learn it. One of the Midrashim brings down that one of the there was many kings that went through the story of, of Hanukkah. It didn't happen in one year. It was many, many, many years. It was many warriors and many uh, generals that came back and forth. I, one time I tried to memorize their names. But I'll be honest, I cannot memorize their names. It was very hard to memorize their names. But there wasn't one Antiochus. There was like seven, eight Antiochuses. It wasn't only one Antiochus. Just like about Paro, there was one, well, not only one Paro. So one of the Antiochuses said, 
I don't want to. I don't want to take away Jews. Stick to being Jews. Yerushalayim, Bet Hamikdash, Te'enu, enjoy. But I ask for one thing. What's that one thing? Chacham Nisim. You know what he asked for? Yeah. Hmm. He asked that he wants a stadium. He wanted a stadium right next to the Bet Hamikdash. He wanted a stadium. We know the Yevanim, the Greeks, they invented Olympics. For those who know history, the Greeks invented this concept called sports and called Olympics. The Greeks invented them. So he asked for one thing. Let me build a stadium, a a kesaya, it's called in Hebrew, right next to the Bet HaMikdash. Now, of course, the leaders of the generation at the time said, absolutely not. It doesn't work like that. We need people to be Osek Betorah, Virat Shemaim. We don't want any distractions. And he did not build it. But as time passed, many, many Jews, unfortunately, many Jews called the Yevanim. They became Yevanim. They became the, 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 they adapted the culture of the Greeks and they got power more and more and more and they got closer and closer to the king. And they forced the other Jews to build a stadium around Yerushalayim. And that's when the Churban started, when Jews started adapting to the Olympics, to the sports. Again, I'm not saying anything against sports. I'm telling you at the time, that was the culture of the Yevanim. The idea is they got their culture, it seeped into the kids, it seeped into the houses, le'at, le'at, slowly by slowly, and it took over. And if it wasn't, if it wasn't for Matisya and the Chashmanim and all his sons, who got up and said, no matter what, we're going to fight for the Torah, we're not going to see this Chuban, we're not going to see Jews becoming Yevanim, we're going to fight Adasov until the end. Who knows where Judaism would have been by now? The Chashmanim remind us that in every single generation, a person, even though he's in the darkness, even though he's in Choshech, even though he does a fortune, a lot of Averot, even though he has a very bad past, even though he's in the culture, there's no question, he has the Kachot in him, it's in his soul. Hashem in a breed with every person, he can get up and remove the darkness through creating light. How do you create light? Through Torah. We know the Mishle says, Ner mitzvah v'torah or. Mitzvot are compared to candles, but Torah is compared to all light. What's the difference between a candle and a light? The difference is when you have a dark room and you light a candle, of course there's now light in the room, but there's still darkness in the room. That's ner mitzvah. But Torah all, Torah is fully all. What is fully all meal? Absolutely no darkness. Not darkness with light. All totally, all full control over the room. There's absolutely no darkness. A person who learns Torah who really learns Torah, which means he puts his phone down, he closes his phone when he learns, no bitul Torah, no lashonara, he watches his eyes, and he really, really, really learns Torah, his life is full of joy. Why? Because his life is full of light. There is no confusion. He knows how awesome it is to be a Jew. He appreciates learning Torah. He appreciates every day that Hashem gives him to be Shomel Shabbat. Life becomes beautiful when a person learns Torah. Torah is magic. It's 100% magic. It's not just a chokhmah. It's not just a method. It's not a subject that a person learns. What's the biggest proof? We know Torah is not magic. Because take any person that didn't, no matter what Averot he did in life, no matter what sins he did in life, take him. If he starts learning Torah, it will transform him. It's going to make him from A to Z, from 1 to 100, from nothing to everything. He becomes the biggest tzaddik and a happy person. Why? The Torah is literally takes a person and it goes into his soul and it changes it around. It's the biggest mikveh in the world. You know, I just heard, I don't know how I'm getting to this, but I did not prepare this, but I hope I'm not messing up. But the Divriyur, the Satman Rebbe, said, we know the famous Gemara in Yuma, Pehe Amad Bet. The Gemara says, Ma ha mikveh metar at Israel, Afrika Dejbochu metar 
מה המקווה מתאר את הטמאים אף הקדוש ברוך הוא מתאר את ישראל. סורי, מה המקווה מתאר את הטמאים אף הקדוש ברוך הוא מתאר את ישראל. So he says, we know the halacha, those learn to chot mikvot, it's in Mishnayot. There's a higher level of being metael to purify a tamer person than a mikveh. That's a nar, a stream. A nar, a stream, is the ultimate mikveh. If a person is tamer, he's impure, and he goes into a nar, he's going to be more pure, more tall than a person who goes to the mikveh. So says the Devir al-Satmer Rebbe, he asked, why is it that we use mikveh as the example just like a person goes at the mikveh, he becomes pure from impure. So too Hashem can purify Am Yisrael no matter where they came from. Why not use the bigger, the higher gdusha of mikveh, which is the nar, or nachal, a stream, a river, which is a bigger mikveh than the mikveh that we have in, in the shuls. Because we compare it to Hashem, so you should use the ultimate symbol of tahara, which is a nar. says the divir rabatai, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful pshat. He says, because a mikveh that we have in the shuls, I'm sure those who go, those who saw being built, mikvehs in the shuls that we have in our days are handmade. They're handmade mikvehs. The Torah is trying to tell us, says a divayot, that we want handmade mikvehs to you be used as a symbol, and not a nar and a stream that was existed from Sheshit Emea Bereshit. Why? To tell a person, that a person himself can handmade himself from being impure to pure. A person can transform himself, it's in his hands, to make himself from Tameh to all, from a Rashat to a from a Batlan to the Bigot Matmid, from a person who speaks so many shtuyot the whole day, nonsense, that person who watches his mouth, it's in his hands. That's what the Torah uses, the Mashal of Mikveh, that we have in our shuls, because they're handmade. And that's what we compare it to Hashem. Because just like Hashem can transfer our person from Tameh to Tahor, Hashem is Metael the Yudim, has the same Hashem that gave us the power, that you can transform yourself. Hashem gave us the Rishut. It's in your hands to take yourself and pick yourself up. Don't wait for anybody else. There's a famous story with the Beit Levi. The Beit Levi, he would ask his Talmudim, and I heard the same story many, many times. With the Baba Sali. The Beta Levi said, he will ask the Tamidim, you know, when you meet it, when you haven't seen a person in a long time, you see, so what, so what are you doing? What are you up to? Right? That's who you say, what are you up to? In Hebrew, they say, Bematamitasek. What are you busy with? Bematamitasek. Now, business in Hebrew is Esek. The way you say business in Hebrew is called Esek, Asakim. That's what it's in Hebrew. So he asked a student, Bematamitasek. So the student told him, yeah, I have a grocery store. So the Beta Levi asked him again, Bematamitasek. So he said, I have a grocery store. But he asked him again, I'm asking you again, what are you dealing with? He says, I told you I have a grocery store. So the better he answered him, I don't understand your answer. So the student told him, Rabbi, I don't understand your question. So he told him, I asked you, what are you busy with? And you answered me, Hashem's responsibility, which is panasa, business. I asked you, what are you busy? How are you taking your responsibilities with yourself? We you know the Gemara says, everything is in the hands of Hashem, health, Shiduchim, everything in the hands of Hashem, except what? Yirat Shamayim. Yirat Shamayim means the fear of Hashem. A person's midot, a person's, uh, um, the way he learns Torah, the way he controls us of doing Averot, that's in, in his hands. The keys, Hashem gave us the keys to every single human being. He has a custom-made key that only He can transform His Yirat Shemaim to a bigger and bigger, bigger Yirat Shemaim. So it says, Akkod Panasai is in the hands of Hashem. 
But Yerat Shamayim is the only thing that's in the hands of a person. It's the only thing that a person could really make a difference. The more he's mishtadel, the more he tries, the more he will get. Bepanasat, all like that. So when the Betelavi asked the student, Bematamitasek, you should have said, I'm learning Masechet Makot, I'm learning Masechet Babakama, right now I'm starting this Chesed organization, I'm collecting Tzedakah, I'm working on my Shmirat Ha'anaim, I'm working on talking to Shonara, I'm working and singing on less than Bechot Bekavana every day, I'm learning to say Bechah out loud, I'm learning to answer Amen, to say Asher Yitzhak Bekavana. That's what you should have said. Bematamitasek. In your business and what's in your hands, how are you doing? What are you focusing right now in your life? But he answered him the grocery store. So the Bethlehem end is teaching us a big lesson, Abutai. Our focus in life has to be, but we have in control. We have in control what? Yirat Shamayim. The more we put in to try to be bigger tzaddikim, the more we're going to get. The less time we put into being tzaddikim, the less tzaddikim will be. By money, by money, we know the Gemara Rosh Hashanah tells us that a person is a person gives a certain amount of money a person will get from one shana, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Hashem has already covered how much money a person is going to make that year. So no matter how much more, of course, a person has to do his part. It's called Yishtadlut. But after he's done his part, he has to go learn. He has to work in his Yirat Shamaim. If he's going to put in more time, and that's going to take away from his time of learning Torah, he, he's not be considered making money from it. More money from it. Why? Why? Because let's say even he makes $20 an hour and let's say he puts in three more hours a day every day. So of course, technically, he made 60 more dollars because he stayed long in the office. But Rabbatai, there's many ways that Hashem, you know, a person can see if he opens up his eyes, there's many ways Hashem can take away a person's money. For example, let's say you stay three more hours in the office, the next day you get a parking ticket. Or the next day you need a plumbing. Or the next day, this breaks, or that breaks, or tuition went higher, or taxes. If a person will realize and open up his eyes, he will see that the main thing is to do your part. Your part in getting panasah, but it's all in the hands of Hashem. Yirat Shamaim is the sugya. That is the chapter that a person has to put more time and effort. It's Yirat Shamaim we should be running after. It's Torah we should be running after. Not money. Let me just say that I think that our brothers Ashkenaz and the Birkata Torah, they said, Lasok Batora, you know, and uh, in the morning, when right. said this, we said, uh, uh, in the Baracha, you know, right, in the morning, Lasok Batora. Right, right. Why Lasok? This is to make it a business. Make it your business, right. It has to be your business. I'll tell you a famous mashal. I heard it when I was a young kid, but I don't even need that mashat anymore, I'll be honest with you, because I met such a person myself to use the mashat. There's a store here in Brooklyn, I'm not sure if you guys heard of it, Chacham Nisim, Mizrahi's Bookstore, I'm not sure you heard of it. Yeah, I, I know him, I know him personally. Yeah, okay, so Mizrahi Bookstore, if you walk in there, very entertaining store. Why? He has thousands of Sfarim, thousands, thousands of Sfarim, but he would know he will know exactly where each book is. And everything is a mess. You walk in there, you feel like if you're going to sneeze, all the Sfarim are going to fall on the floor. You make the wrong move when you walk, a few Sfarim fall already. But he knows exactly where each book is if you ask him. And I'm telling you, there's thousands and thousands, it's three floors, thousands and thousands of books, and he knows it. So I asked him, how is it that you know every single book? It looks impossible. So he tells me, it's my business. I work here. This is what I do. And then it hit me the mashad that I heard when I was a kid. When a person makes it his business, when a person makes it his esek, 
he makes it his number one priority, which is Torah and Yirat Shamayim. When he makes it his number one focus every single day, that person will remember the learning that he has. He will know how to avoid doing Averot. He will be careful. He will grow as Yirat Shamayim more and more. Why? Because when you make it your business and you say, what do you mean? That's what I'm busy with. That's what I do. What do you do? I work in Yirat Shamayim. That's what I do. Such a person will reach high levels. Because it's a person that tries and knows how to focus and who has the right priority. When a person has the right priorities, it takes him very far. Shushan Pink has said a very famous mashal. He says, imagine you have a person that wants to travel. So he, he loaded his car with suitcases and suitcases and he filled up gas. And he's and he started going on the highway. And he drives and he drives and he drives. Then a cop pulls him over. Okay. Mishtara comes, pulls him over. He tells him, Kvado. Where are you heading? The guy in the car tells him, I don't know. He tells him, what do you mean? Where, where are you planning to go? And the man tells him, I don't know. So the cop tells him, pull over. He pulls over. Then he opens up his trunk. He sees suitcases and suitcases. And he sees maps and planners and, and all these different things about a track. He asks him, where, where are you planning to go? What was your goal? You left your house. Where are you going? And the man tells him, I don't know. Would that be funny to us? Yes. Because if you're loading your car and you put so much time and effort and and and, and uh, packing your suitcases and putting things in the car and going on the highway and filling up gas, we better hope there's a goal for the person. You better hope that there's a destination point to where you're heading. Says of Shishan Pincus, it's a scary thought, but unfortunately, chas shalom, you can have a person that goes day by day, week by week, year by year, 10 years old, 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old, but then you stop them, alo, 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 where are you going in life? Where are you heading? What is your goal? What is your end destination point? What are you trying to be? Where are you going? And sometimes people can answer you, I don't know. You know what? I never thought of it. I never thought of it. Is that Torah? Oh, am I supposed to learn Torah? Am I supposed to focus on Yirat Shamaim? It must be, oh, I never thought of it. What's going on? That's a scary thought that a person can go on every single day and not put says in Where are you heading? Hashem gave you the day. Every day makes a huge, huge difference on a person. If Hashem gives a person that day, that means he's supposed to utilize that day to the ultimate because that day will never come back. Like the Chidah says that every day a person has a guest. That guest will never come back. What is that guess? That day that he gets, that yom that he gets, will never ever come back. We know by Avraham Avinu, by Parashat Vayira, it says um, that Avraham Avinu went outside, the Pasuk says. What does it mean, Kechomayom? Even though it was the third day of the Brit Milah, which is the hardest day, the most painful day, he went outside at the heat of the sun. So Mephoshim asked, why doesn't it just say, Kechomashemesh? Um, at the heat, the, at the peak where the sun is out in the middle of the day, it's the hottest part of the day. Just say, Kechom HaShemesh. Why is it Kechom Ayom? It's not the Yom, it's the Shemesh that brings the heat. So he said to Mephoshim a beautiful lesson. Avram Avinu, he had a dinner of honest, which means he didn't have to do what he did that day, to go outside to try to to, to greet the guest, the Ochim. He was a pure, you know, he, he had no choice. He had no choice. He didn't have to do that. He was honest. He was sick. It was his third day. He was an old man. He had all the excuses in the books that day not to do that. But Avam Avinu is Avam Avinu like we know, which is why he's a symbol of Judaism. He went out of his way and he did more than just the necessary to do the mitzvah. And he went outside. Why does he say Kechom Hayom, not Kechom Hashemesh? Because Avam Avinu looked at the Yom. He looked at the day. 
Avraham Avinu woke up that morning and said, This day I will never get back. So of course I have all the excuses in the world. But Hayom, this day, the mitzvah that I can do today, I cannot do tomorrow, I can never get back. That's what the Pasuk says, Kechom Hayom, to teach us that Avraham Avinu looked not 20 years ahead. He didn't look at the yesterday, he looked at now, Al-Akhshav. What can I do today that I can never get back? And even though I have all the excuses, I will take care of them. When a person looks at every day like that, that whatever I could do today, I can accomplish so much, and Hashem will never give me the opportunity ever again to have such a situation. When he looks at everything day by day, a person will have much more of a emunah life, much more of a vision, and yirat shamayim, and he will grow higher and higher, and to have avodat Hashem. Yes. Okay. So I want to tell you about something that uh, really, you know, it continued the mashal on the driver and the police, and the police took him. And I said, you know, now I know the way I'm going. <laughs> and this is something that we don't know exactly. And unfortunately, uh, I, this this show is fully lunishmat Ozben Gili, a young man that basically went to sleep and never get up. Twenty four years old. Uh, we don't know where we're going. We don't know how long and where and what. Everything is by Akadosh Baruch Hu. And this is a big, big uh, lesson to all of us. I would say that uh, I really uh, thank you for the for the show. And we're going to uh, give you the, the last few minutes uh, to conclude the show. Okay, so let's conclude the show. Bezat Hashem. We discuss how a person has to look at every day. And that day will never come back. We know the Torah tells us, Now, why does it say Hayom? Just say because the Torah was written forever and ever, right? For eternity. Just say A person always has to make a decision. Do you want to choose blessings or do you want to choose Shalom? Why does it have to add the word Hayom? The answer is, says the Ben Yishchai. Because, of course, a person wants to do good. Of course, a person doesn't want to do kala bad. But a person always says, eh, ta'azovati, leave me alone, I have time. Tomorrow, 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 next week, next month, Hanukkah is coming up. Utilize the days. But a person might tell himself, eh, Hanukkah, Purim is already around the corner, I'll do Purim, then Pesach. Every year passes by so fast. You know, we're already holding Hanukkah, I remember last Hanukkah. It flew by. Chanaka already means Purim. Purim means Pesach. Pesach already means Sfirat Tome. Sfirat Tome means Chas Shalom. If you know the Bet Migdash, Chas Shalom already means Tisha B'Av. Tisha B'Av means Elul. It means Yom Kippur. That's it. We're already up to Yom Kippur. Time flies. My Rebbe used to say it all the time in Yeshiva. He says that Elul Zman, Yom Kippur is always around the corner if you think about it. If you always look at the Moadim, right? If, you, if your focus is always on the next Moadim, on the next Chag that's coming up, the year flies by. It's already Yom Kippur around the corner. Okay, the point is the Benish Chai says, a person, when he's always going to look ahead, he's always going to say, I have time. Comes a Torah to avoid that thought. And it tells you, Hayom. Look at today. Hayom. Bracha uklala. What is a Yom going to equal today? Is a Yom going to equal Bracha? Or is a Yom going to equal Klala? The power is in your hands. You make that choice. How? When you focus on the day that you live in. When you focus on Hayom, then you can be able to choose bracha over klala. But you always can look at the machar. 
then who knows what's going to happen? Because a person, you know, the Yetzara, one of his many, many ways is to take away time from a person. It's to take away focus and yeshuva at from a person. To focus on what he has right now is one of the biggest tools the Yetzara has. We know by Yosef HaTzadik, right? By Yosef HaTzadik, the brothers threw him in the pit. And the Pasuk says, Bo Rek and Bo Maim. Then Rashi says, why and what's the point of saying Bo Maim? Because Maim and Bo. Aval... So it's a famous question, how did Rashi learn it from the Pasuk? I'm not going to get into that. There's many, many Mepharshim. How Rashi got into that? But listen to this beautiful pshat I heard from a lawyer in Eretz Yisrael. His name is Dov Weinrot. His father just passed away. His father was a famous lawyer. He said a beautiful, beautiful dvato and it hit me. He says, you know how Rashi knew that there was Nachashim and Akavim, snakes and scorpions, right? Snakes and scorpions inside the pit, but water there wasn't. He says, you know how we know? Because the Rambam says, how does a person control his thoughts? A person who has machshavot tovot, bad thoughts, how does he control them? Says the Rambam, there's one way in the Sefer, there's only one way how to control them. You know how? When your mind is focused and filled with Torah. When your mind is occupied with Torah, then you don't have bad thoughts. Bad thoughts kick in when a person is bored. When a person's bishimum, when a person's mind is not focused, even though he could be at work, a lot of times many jobs these days don't take too much focus because you have the computer. But when a person is not focused, that's when bad thoughts come because the mind is empty and then it gets attacked the bad thoughts to occupy the mind. But when your mind is occupied by Torah, there is absolute in Avadat Hashem, there's no room for bad thoughts. So says this lawyer, he said, Look at this. Borek and Bomaim. There's no water. And we know that Torah many times in the Gemara and Midrashim compares Torah Lemaim. So, Borek and Bomaim, there's no water, meaning there's no Torah. So, we know automatically if there's no Torah, Nachashim ve'akravim yeshbo. But snakes and scorpions, which represent the Sitra Ach, and represent the evil and the Yetzara, we know for factors in the pit. That's how Rashi knew it, because Rashi knows Torah is compared to water. And Rashi knew a person who doesn't learn Torah, what happens right away? He has bad thoughts. So, Bo, Rok, Rek, and Bo, Maim. If a person doesn't learn Torah, automatically, Nachashim, Nachavim, Yeshbo. That's when the bad thoughts come in.